You've been sold the idea that financial independence is all about some number on your account statement. Or even worse, that you don't qualify because of where you started out. That's just not true. It's not about some well-kept secret of the wealthy. It's about finding the right information and knowing how to apply it. On the Get Ready for the Future show, we're answering your questions so you can start making real financial change today. The journey to true financial independence begins right here, and it starts with you. It's a new year, but the mission is still the same. We are here to help people discover, protect, and share true financial independence. Welcome aboard for another edition of the Get Ready for the Future show. My name is Scott Inman, along with John Shrewsbury today. And we get into this new year, John. It's January. Uh, I got to be honest. I was having this discussion with my uh, kids the other day. January is my least favorite month of the year. Um, I, I just don't like it. Yeah, uh, you know, you get you get through the holidays, the excitement of Christmas. You get into January, and now adding into that here, where we live in Central Arkansas, they're talking about single-digit lows in the coming days. Mm-mm. And let's just be honest: if you're listening to us or watching us somewhere else, where that's a norm for you, it don't happen here. Yeah, it's not supposed to happen here. And, and I don't like it. And, I, and February's right behind yeah. January as far as the yeah. months that I don't like. But uh, you know, I, I told somebody earlier today: there's a nice, warm beach somewhere that needs me. <laughs> yes, I need that's to go right. There. That is that is the snowbird month of the year right there, January and February. But hey, we will get through it. Uh, and college football season's over too. That's the other that's thing I was going to mention. Yes. Yeah, that's the thing that really kind of puts you down. Uh, we saw the championship game on Monday, so. Hey, lots to do to spice things up in today's show, though. We're not going to let January get us down. No, not at all. We are taking your questions uh, on the Get Ready for the Future show as we do each and every week. So let's dive in. Our first question of the day is from Mark in Cabot, and he writes to us, I have a 401k at my previous employer where I worked about two years ago. I have left it there because I wasn't sure exactly what to do with it, and it seems to have done pretty well. Am I missing something, or is it okay for me to just leave it there. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, it's okay for sure. Uh, you can leave it there um, as long as the plan allows. And, you know, there are instances we've had with clients over the years, John, where if it sits there for a certain long, a certain amount of time, um, and many times if it doesn't have a certain account value, they will require you to move it. Uh, but for the most part, you can leave it there. A lot of times it's, uh, it depends on how the plan is designed. There mm-hmm. may be an incentive for the owner of the plan to get uh, what they call dead assets off the plan. If you're not contributing to it, then they consider that maybe a dead asset. But uh, you can you can certainly leave it there. That's one of the four options. It, one is leaving it. Uh, if you leave it because you're familiar with the plan, you, you've been in it for a while, you know the funds, you are familiar with how to read the statement and all of that, that's the positive of leaving it there. Uh, but you also have limited investment options. The The plan has a certain number of investment options in it, and you don't have an opportunity to invest outside of those options if you leave it in the old plan where you were. But Scott, I think one of the bigger things is that you are oftentimes outside the communication loop of what's going on with that plan. You're not at the employer. You're not participating in any you know company meetings about the 401k and all of that. So you're really kind of outside that communication loop. And the other thing that I think is also important is that sometimes with old plans, it is out of sight, out of mind. 
And that's never a good thing with your money. You need to be paying attention to what's going on. You need to be understanding what's happening inside your your investments and things of that nature. And so oftentimes people orphan 401k plans and then all of a sudden they go, you know, I forgot to change my address with my old employer, my old 401k plan, and I now have lost connection totally. And we've spent some time over the years hunting down old assets. Yeah, I think that's a a great point because you think about if you left your employer, you might have moved, right? So there may be a a likelihood that you changed addresses and did it get forwarded and you stopped getting any kind of correspondence from that 401k and you if you left there long enough you can certainly forget about it now i think if the balances are large enough you're not likely to do that if you've been there for 20 or 30 years and you've got five hundred six hundred thousand dollars in it but many times we find people have moved and left two or three orphaned 401ks with thirty thousand here forty thousand there and when we start planning uh they realize that hey that's a that's a sizable difference amount of money uh, that's a sizable amount of money that can make a difference in their overall plan so you don't want to I think become untethered from that money and then chance the 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 the, the likelihood of you becoming in what we call an orphan 401k. So that is an option though. You can leave it there. You can also in most cases roll it to your new plan. So if you've got a new employer that also has a 401k, you can move that uh, and if it's all pre-tax money, it's not a taxable event to do that. You can roll it into the new plan so you can consolidate your assets. You can have them in the same 401k plan and begin to contribute to the new plan, reallocate to the funds that are available in the new plan. I think the problem with that, which it also is the same problem, John, that you kind of alluded to with leaving it in the old 401k, is that 401k plans have limited investment options. And, and when we say limited, I think they're getting more and more limited uh, in the plans that we see. The, the last time that I looked at this, I read an article about it. The average 401k had about 10 to 15 investment choices when yeah. it comes to funds. And and that's because the employer actually has a fiduciary responsibility uh, for monitoring and, and looking at those investments and acting in your best interest. And so uh, they're going to narrow that field down to a, just a handful of funds. That, and sometimes those funds change. And you may not know about the changes that are happening if you leave it there. But if you roll it into your new plan, then you obviously have some, uh, you know, awareness about what's going on there. And I think, Scott, the other thing that that about rolling it into a new plan is there's questionable availability of access to that money. If you had to have that money, if it's in your current employer plan, then all of a sudden you have to have a, a uh, defining event that happens like retirement or some big event that you would allow you access to that money. And so that's another issue in terms of rolling it to the new plan. Now, the third option that you have is one that we would likely just not recommend to anybody, but sometimes it is necessary to do that. And that would be to cash it out. And the number one reason that you don't want to cash it out is taxes and penalties. Yep. And, and I think that Oftentimes, people think that, you know, when they change jobs, it's almost like the piggy bank is open and they they go, oh, I need to do this. I need to pay off some debt. I need to pay off my car. I need to, to uh, you know, add on to the house or whatever the case may be. Hear me when I say this. That is not in your best interest, no matter how big the need might be or the desire might be to spend that money on something else. It is robbing you of your future retirement. You're going to lose money on the taxes. You're going to lose money on the penalty if you're under 55 on a 401k plan. That all applies to a a cash out. 
And not to mention, it hurts your ability to generate retirement income in the future. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a threat, frankly, to your financial independence. Yeah, I had a client a few years ago, John, that wanted to cash out uh, and take the penalties and taxes from their qualified plan. And they wanted to do it. They had a good uh, reason for doing it in terms of what they were trying to accomplish, and that was to pay off their mortgage. They wanted to be debt-free. They wanted to be debt-free early in life. These clients were in their 30s. But you have to realize the consequences of that. Yeah, it's great to not have a mortgage, but when you mention the lost investment opportunity, taking those dollars out of the investments, meaning selling the shares at a price that 20 or 30 years from now are probably never going to be seen again, potentially, uh, is really a lost investment opportunity that it's hard to even quantify. And then when you think about getting to retirement, it is most definitely a threat to your financial independence if you were able to accumulate some wealth in a 401k and then cash it out to redistribute uh, it to another uh, another uh, a goal you're trying to accomplish, even if it is to become debt free. And I was just going to say, you know, you can look at those three options and go, well, you know, okay, I can roll it to the new plan. I probably don't want to leave it behind because I might lose track of it. I could cash it out, but there's some really negative things there. What's the fourth option? The fourth option is to roll it into an IRA account. Uh, going from 401k to IRA, traditional to traditional is not a taxable event. And you have nearly unlimited investment opportunities. Now, I say nearly because not everything can uh, be held in an IRA account. Things like cash value life insurance or gold bullion or anything of that nature can't be held in an IRA account. But everything else is pretty much open to your investment uh, you know, temperament. Mm-hmm. And so you've got that opportunity as well. And Scott, I think that this actually is probably as mobile as our society is and as many times as people switch from one employer to the other, I think that that you have to have almost what we used to call the IRA lockbox mentality, that, that you it becomes a gathering place for your old 401k money and you take it with you when you go, just like you take your, your family photos and anything that's on your desk that's a memento or whatever the case may be, you take that with you as you go. And that IRA lockbox basically allows you to preserve those assets as you go toward your retirement date. I would say to Mark that uh, if this question you're asking is a very common one. And I would even say it is a triggering life event that does oftentimes cause people to reach out to a financial advisor. If you haven't worked with one before, sometimes this is the process or this is the life event that triggers your desire to do that because you do have to go through first of all those options if it's right to roll over to an IRA but if it is and you wind up having it in an IRA do you want it to be self-directed and you're out there on your own just like you were in the 401k or do you want to uh, at the same time choose an IRA and begin a, a relationship with the financial advisor so that you can have that be that lockbox have an investment um, the investment universe open up to you, but be guided along the way when it comes to investment decisions. And then the final part of that, being able to create a retirement income strategy from that IRA in terms of uh, being able to withdraw from one place, your monthly income that does in fact help you reach financial independence when you know that your retirement income is going to be enough to sustain your lifestyle. And Scott, I think that it's important that if you want to understand these options and, and have a little bit more in depth, we've got a free brochure that we want to, to email to you. 
If you will text the word 401k, that's 401k to 501-381-5228, you can get your copy of the Genwealth brochure on your options for your old 401k plan. Mark, thanks for the question. If you've got questions for us on the Get Ready for the Future show, all you have to do is call and you can leave a voice message or you can text the message at 501-381-5228. It's 501-381-5228. Same number you can also text 401k to. But leave those questions for us. You can hear your questions answered on the air. We also have an email option. You can send it to show at getreadyforthefuture.com. We want to know about your financial questions. Anything. Nothing's off limits. You can ask us about who's going to win the Super Bowl. We'll talk about that if you want to, too. But that's not really financial. Eh, It could be, but we're not talking about that, right? I'm pulling for my Cowboys. (laughs) Yeah. Robert from Hot Springs via text message is our next question. I have basically driven myself to distraction trying to understand all the issues surrounding my upcoming retirement. I need help to focus on the most important things I need to be paying attention to as I get ready to move from working to my retired life. You're not alone, Robert. A lot of people have those questions, and we can start with the non-financial ones. You know, I I actually sat with a client just yesterday, John, that she's planning to retire at age 65, and she'll be 65 later this year in the fall. And obviously, we're working through a planning process to determine their retirement income. If it's going to be satisfactory to them, and it was, they are now going to think about it. She's still not for sure, but she was able to see that this is going to be doable if she chooses to do it. But that's not the only consideration. The financial side is not the only consideration. We talked through, I told her, I said, do you have a plan for what you're going to do with your time? And she did. She outlaid all the volunteer things that she wanted to do whether it's with church, at the school. But we tell people all the time, you can't retire from something. You have to retire to something. Purpose matters here uh, because we have had people who never look back, re- you know, retired and their life is uh, changed forever and they would never want to go back and work. And we have some people who can't stand it and they go back to work. Yeah. And, and Scott, I think that the, one of the big triggers on on the retirement decision, if you stop and think about the, the complex decision-making process that you go through to, to decide to retire, the number one thing that, that is a trigger for people is knowing they can do it, knowing that they can have secure income coming in and then discretionary income on top of that so they're not just living from hand to mouth and paycheck to paycheck, so to speak, but they really are have a, a vision of what their retirement will look like both now, five years from now, 10 years from now, and that type of thing. And I think oftentimes people are asked by some people in our industry to take it on a probability. And I often say that, you know, if you were going out to Little Rock National and getting on a plane and and the pilot uh, got on the speaker and said, okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're on our way to, I don't know, Washington, D.C., but there's only about an 85% chance that we're going to make it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be getting off the plane pretty quickly. I'd be like, stop the, you know, stop the presses, let me out the door. But that's what oftentimes some financial advisors say is the right way to plan for retirement. Oh, we'll take 4% out and there's about an 85% chance you won't run out of money while you're alive. Well, what happens if I'm in that 15% and I do run out of money? That's a real challenge. And so having that answer is really the, the linchpin, if you will, or the pivot point that a lot of people need to be able to say, okay, I now feel good financially that I can make that decision. But like you said, Scott, there is a lot 
as far as the whole psychological makeup of, of a retirement decision is concerned that you have to go into. But I think their top priority is securing that future paycheck. Yeah, and the process by which you should do that. This is also obviously a life event that triggers people to move towards reaching out to a financial advisor. Many times they have uh, done the investment side of things on their own. Maybe they did a really good job. And if they had a, a good discipline at contributing and stayed invested in market-related instruments for a very long period of time, our track record now looking in the rearview mirror will tell us that they did do very well. But when it comes to that uh, moment of change, we call it in the industry going from accumulation to decumulation. I don't like the word decumulation. I like distribution because we don't want to decumulate down to zero. We want to just distribute for your lifetime, which we don't know how long that's going to be. Seeking out a financial advisor who specializes in retirement income planning is key to covering all these issues. You know, he talks about driving driving himself to distraction because it is complex and the reality is john and i find myself even in the industry having to keep up with the changes that occur when it comes legislatively tax wise medicare all of those things that change on an at least an annual basis it sure seems you need a professional that's staying on top of that and creating a written plan on paper on purpose for you to be able to use as your guide through retirement. That's how you find that certainty, I think, in knowing that you're ready to retire financially. Yeah, the complexity is is ever-changing, but there are some things in there that that are kind of almost uh, uh, mile markers that you've got to take care of. One of them is you got to figure out how to turn that 401k plan into an income stream. And you've also got to think about things like social security claiming strategy, pension options that you may have if you are blessed to have a pension. You have to also think about covering the shortfall. Oftentimes, there's Social Security, and that's all that you have as far as guaranteed income is concerned. But Social Security is not enough to cover your basic living expenses. If that's the case, then you've got to cover that shortfall or cover what I call the gap. And then you've got to think about how you're going to manage your assets in retirement so that they don't deplete and get into a death spiral, so to speak, and spend that money down way before you're ready for uh, that to pass on to the next generation. So there's a bucketing strategy, avoiding a negative sequence risk that that we uh, take our clients through. There's diversification. And, and here's a big one. You have to be inflation ready. Man, did inflation bop us upside the head a couple of years ago when, when COVID hit and all the prices went crazy and everything. Everybody was going, oh my. Uh, how do I do deal with this? Well, at GenWealth, if you have the ready to retire process working for you, then your plan is designed to increase your income over time. So those are all things that you've got to think about as you go through the complexity of navigating this thing called retirement. Yeah. And I I think to tack on to what you're saying there about inflation, you know, we do have, we have a lot of of people who, when they first come to see us before they are our clients at GenWealth, it can be very easy to get very conservative in your uh, risk tolerance, your mindset about investing, uh, because you don't want to lose anything that you've spent a lifetime gaining. Completely understand that. What that causes, though, is many times people will say, I'm just going to keep it in a CD, or I'm just going to keep it in a lockbox. And if I just take out X amount over the next 20 years, it's going to last that long, right? They're not thinking about the inflation component of that. You've got to be able to have some growth 
And in the way we plan here, that happens on the back end of your portfolio, not what you're using today, not what you're using over the next five to 10 years, but on the back end, we're in, still invested in equities, still looking for long-term growth because you have to be able to give yourself a pay raise. You wouldn't work at a single job for 20 years without getting a pay raise. Nobody would have done that. They would have jumped ship. Well, you don't want to jump ship in your retirement. Well, and here's some one other thing that adds to the complexity, and that is what about health care costs in, in retirement? Obviously, your retirement years are the years when you're probably going to spend the most money on health care because your body's you know aging and wearing out and things of that nature. So you've got Medicare. Now, Medicare sounds simple. I sign up for, I automatically get Part A. I sign up for Part B. I make a decision on a prescription health plan. I'm good. That is, unless you make over a certain amount of money, and then you're going to get introduced to my old Aunt Irma. Uh, I, I actually literally had an aunt. Her name was Irma. She's long passed away. But Irma is actually I-R-R-M-A. It is an acronym for basically means testing the cost of your Medicare. So if you make over a certain amount of money or your income is more than a certain amount in retirement, they're going to charge you more for your Part B Medicare. Managing that is a huge deal. There are certain things that you can do in retirement to keep you under that IRMA threshold where you pay the lower amount on Medicare Part B, but you have to know exactly how to manage that to get that lower Part B premium. Also, you've got to think about Medicare supplements. What's the right thing to do here? Scott, there's all kinds of advertisements out there for people uh, to talk about and, and lure them into Medicare Advantage. We don't think Medicare Advantage for almost anybody is the right choice. We like traditional Medicare with a supplement as opposed to Medicare Advantage because it does pigeonhole you in terms of providers and things of that nature. There's some benefits to it, but there's also some drawbacks to it. And so the Medicare supplement decision is a big deal. And then finally, your long-term care expenses. How are you going to decide to take care of those? Are you going to insure against those? Are you going to try to self-insure? Most people will never be in a situation where the state pays for your long-term care insurance. That is a pauper's program that is Medicaid, not Medicare. And that's a decision that you also have to think through during your retirement planning. And finally, a couple of more issues there. We're going to have to move on on our questions. But estate planning, very key. Uh, working with an estate planning attorney to determine your need for a will, a trust, medical directives, a financial power of attorney. There's a lot to consider on the back end of there. Uh, nobody likes to think about the downside of retirement, which is getting older, losing cognitive skills, and eventually passing away. But you have to plan for those inevitabilities. And tax management. management. Most people who have saved for retirement have done so in qualified plans. Those are going to be taxable if they were put, on, put in on a pre-tax basis. So you have to be able to minimize taxes through maximizing a tax strategy. Listen, our, our best advice here when it comes to retirement, I think we've, we've displayed just answering this question how complex the issue is. Step into the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process. We cover all those things, everything we just spent well over 10 minutes talking about. Uh, we cover in written planning in our in our ready to retire process, and I would encourage you to reach out and call us toll free eight six 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 five three plan. That's eight six 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 five three seven five two six to get connected with a financial advisor here at GenWealth and begin working through the ready to retire process to find out if you are in fact ready to retire. Congratulations to Robert. That's our question of the week. 
Thanks for reaching out. We would love to send you a free Get Ready for the Future show Tumblr for being the question of the week. Just email us. Send that email to show at getreadyforthefuture.com and claim it. Next up, it's Linda from Conway. Her question is, I just lost my father within the last six months. He wasn't an extremely wealthy man, but he did find a way to save over $300,000 in a savings account that I now have inherited. I need to understand how to fold that money into my overall plan for my financial future. Can you give me some ideas? Our um, condolences, Linda, sorry on the loss of your father. And a mindset is a big part of this. Do you know what his wishes were for that money? Um, so you, you definitely want to proceed by honoring your father's legacy. Yeah, your your father's legacy, he's left that in terms of dollars. And, and obviously, there's a lot more to your father's legacy than just the money. But you have to kind of think about, okay, what would dad have me do? Uh, and I would almost guarantee you that dad wouldn't have you go on a spending spree. Uh, that doesn't sound like what Linda would, would have the intention of doing. And she's obviously reached out to us and said, hey, how do I fold this into my financial future? And so Linda is making the right step there, but you don't want to sit on the money. A lot of people think, oh, that's dad's money and I can't do anything with it. No, dad left that to you to be utilized by you for your financial future. So let's kind of dive into that. Don't think about this as the piggy bank is open, but let's think about it, how you actually ensure that you will have a great financial future. I would say to number one, think long and hard about turning that liquid asset into an illiquid asset. Oftentimes when people get an inheritance, Scott, they think, oh, I'm going to go pay off my house. I'm going to go pay off all my debt or whatever. That might be the right thing to do, but it might not be the right thing to do, depending on where you are with your long-term retirement program. Uh, sitting down with a financial advisor and working through the intricacies of that would will basically illuminate what the right decision would be there versus paying off debt and and or versus the going into uh, utilizing that for your retirement. So I think there's uh, ways that you need to consider using that to increase your cash flow and grow your wealth. And mm -hmm. so I think those are some key things that uh, we can just in broad brush talk about as far as Linda's concerned. Yeah, and I think taxation matters. She says it's in a savings account, so we're going to assume this is already cash uh, in an after-tax account, probably not really worried about taxation there. But to anybody else who is in this situation of inherited money, you need to know the tax consequences of what you do. Uh, if you inherited an IRA, you're going to be strapped a little bit. There's going to be a law that tells you you have to take it out uh, in over 10 years, and you need some help strategizing there for sure. So taxation matters. Retirement, uh, going back to that ready retire process, John, you know, even for, for Linda here, don't know how long away she is from potentially retiring, but knowing if you're, if you late, when she says folding that money into her overall plan, how much of it needs to go into it? Does it all need to go? Uh, do you need to be able to uh, use it all for your future financial independence or are you on track with maybe half of it? And in that case, maybe half can go to debt or increasing your emergency fund or even a portion of it to spend and buy something uh, for you. But you just I think you need to make you can't make those decisions in a vacuum. You have to have a plan in place. That's how I look at it, even in my personal life. When I when I have a lump sum that I maybe have to make some decisions on, I have to know how it is, uh, what impact it makes to my future financial independence if I pull it from here and move it over here. Yeah, I think I, not to geek out on this, but I will tell you when you have a lump sum of after-tax money, 
it changes the dynamic of your taxation in retirement if you're going to use that lump sum in retirement. Meaning that most people, as you said earlier, Scott, have qualified money that they're using in retirement, meaning they haven't paid any taxes on that money. And so 100% of that money is taxable. Blending in a some an income stream that is after tax or non-qualified, you've already paid the tax on that, can soften the blow as far as your overall taxation is concerned in retirement. We've got software to actually analyze that and help you to make the right sequencing decision as far as when to take the qualified money versus the non-qualified money. And so those are all things that I think are, are very much in consideration. One other thing I'll mention in this is that Linda ought to consider, you know, where she is as far as retirement is concerned. And if this money might help her bridge to an early retirement so that she has this non-qualified money that she might use to retire early and basically uh, give her the, the cover, so to speak, to get to her qualified money at 55 or 59 and a half. A lot of decisions there for Linda. Last up, and we're going to have to hustle, Jeff from Stuttgart writes, my employer is going to offer a Roth option for our 401k at the beginning of the year. What do I need to know when trying to decide to convert my current pre-tax money, about $200,000 over to the Roth option? Well, first, Jeff, go in and thank your boss for offering this option. We can never have too many Roth dollars in retirement, and it's a great thing for you moving forward to be able to contribute to the Roth 401k. But let's Hold the horses a little bit and talk about the pre-tax money because we're talking about conversion of a lump sum of $200,000. Yeah, you want to go slow on this, uh, frankly, Jeff, because you're going to owe taxes on every dollar that you convert. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't convert any money, but it also doesn't mean that you should convert all of your money in one year. Uh, You'll want to do something that we call filling up the bracket. So let's say that uh, your joint adjusted income, as an example, your taxable income is $100,000, and that puts you in the 22% marginal federal income tax bracket. But if you have all, but you actually have all the way to $190,000, uh, actually $190,750 to be exact, before you begin to be taxed at the next highest tax bracket, which is 24%. So under this scenario, you could convert about $90,000 without incurring any more expensive uh, taxation to you at the 24% bracket. You're still going to pay the 22%, but you're not going to pay that higher level. So you would be taxed on a federal basis at 22% on the $90,000 conversion. Your federal tax on that would be about $20,000 on that conversion, and you would need the money set aside outside the retirement program to be able to pay those taxes because converting inside your 401k plan doesn't allow you to pull that money out to pay taxes. So you have to have the money on the sideline to make that happen. Otherwise, I think converting is a a good idea. And Scott, you might want to take that incrementally. Yeah, I think that's a big thing, having the cash on the sidelines to pay the taxes. People don't realize that when they start thinking about doing all of this inside of their 401k. You've got to be able to have some money and it doesn't wreck your emergency fund, right, to pay the taxes. So that's another reason to kind of go at it at a slow pace. Now, it is important to mention that it does get folded into your overall tax return, right? So if you're used to getting a big refund, it may not actually hurt you in the, the bottom line from your savings account perspective if you do that. So going slow, I think, is good. And a conversion, I think, makes the most sense for someone who has a long term time horizon. So if you're in the 30s, your 40s, and this is obviously retirement money, I think it makes a lot of sense to begin to build up a tax-free income inside of a Roth 
It is one of the most flexible uh, retirement accounts out there, accounts in general out there investment-wise, and it is also the most underutilized. So if you're in your 30s or 40s, and even if this is not you, if you don't, if you don't have a Roth option, but you do have an IRA, that same conversion can take place, but work with the financial advisor so you don't get dinged too hard on the taxes. Scott, I'll also mention that uh, you can contribute to a Roth 401k going forward, and the new legislation that is in play now allows an employer match to be deposited into your Roth account on an after-tax basis. Now, that's a change from our previous uh, situation where the employer match, if you will, had to go into a pre-tax account. So you ended up with some money in a, in a Roth account and you have some money in a traditional 401k account that was your employer plan. But now both of those can go into the after-tax uh, deposit uh, account for the Roth, and therefore all of it would be tax-free to you when you retire. And one final thought here, John, because people get this confused. If you do contribute to a Roth 401k, the dollars you put into that do not count against the maximum contribution limit on the Roth IRA. They are Correct. completely different, even if they have Roth in front of it. Your 401k, whether Roth or traditional, has a maximum contribution limit, and your IRA, whether Roth or traditional, has a maximum contribution limit. Scott, I, I just heard the bell, so let me talk a little bit about final thoughts. We've covered a lot of material today. We've talked about people uh, being just you know, uh, frazzled by the whole retirement planning decision. We've talked about people who have lost a parent and need to understand how to fold that inheritance into their overall strategy. I think one of the things that I would do is, number one, I would get very clear on what it is that I was trying to accomplish. And I think that we can help you to do that by uh, offering you a free uh, download called Securing Financial Independence, Seven Steps to Building a Sustainable Life After Work. You can actually access that by texting STEPS to 501-381-5228 or visit GetReadyForTheFuture.com forward slash steps, or you can very simply email us at show at GetReadyForTheFuture.com. We'd love to put that in your hands because I think, quite frankly, it is a very clarifying document that helps you to get some direction about where you're going in retirement and maybe will alleviate some of the problems that uh, one of our, our callers had today about being just frazzled about the yeah. whole retirement situation. Yeah, I wouldn't make decisions based on your feelings, whether it's frazzled, whether it's uh, uh, even sorrow out of losing a father. I think about how often we make money decisions because of the way we feel. You have to remove the feeling out of it, creating a written plan and working with an, a financial advisor who has an objectivity when they approach your finances is very key. And I would just encourage you, if you don't work with an advisor, a Gen Wealth Advisor is here to help you. You can reach out to us and schedule a complimentary first appointment by calling toll-free 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. And that's all the time we have for this week's edition of the Get Ready for the Future show. Hope you're making it through a cold January okay. And if you have a question, call or text it to us at 501 381 5228 to hear your questions answered next week on the air. See you then. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building toward financial independence, share the podcast with your friends and family. 
The GenWealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. Securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Independent Advisor Alliance. Independent Advisor Alliance and GenWealth Financial Advisors are separate entities from LPL Financial.